eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time, lunch time, one versus three time, also one versus two time, also one versus three with those two teams inverted time. Regardless, it's a big old damn game time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a very sunny, very pleasant, very uh, very lovely, sun-splashed Thursday afternoon here in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee, just about 1.9 miles away from Neyland Stadium, which is not where the Tennessee football team will be this weekend. Uh, the the top-ranked Vols headed down to Sanford Stadium between the hedges to play the third-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Big, big game, as we've been calling it, the game of the century of the week. It's a big, 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 big game. I think the first time in just the 25th time in history that the, the top two teams in the AP poll are, are playing our teams ranked one and two in the AP poll are playing each other. And then obviously the college football playoff rankings came out with Tennessee at one, not Georgia at one, and Ohio State at two and Georgia at three. So technically, what all the outlets are calling it, and we will too, is number one versus number three, with number one being Tennessee and number three being Georgia. No matter which way you slice it, it is a big Big game, and one that Georgia is still favored to win by a good bit, which we will talk about amongst other things in this uh, this episode. Let's go across town to that home daycare center, get to the one and the only Ryan Callahan. Ryan, my man, how you doing today? Doing well. Just uh, just enjoying this this massive football week. It's, I mean, we said it Alabama week too, but it's just kind of wild that we're we're having this kind of week this early. I mean, I. I I thought there would be a day again where we covered these types of games at Tennessee, but never expected it this soon. So it's it's a fun week to talk about football and be breaking down every angle of a football game that means this much. Yeah, and 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 much like the Alabama week, and quite frankly, like a lot of weeks these days, people are just around the country are kind of calling, you know, hey, will you do this radio show, this podcast, this TV thing, whatever, and. People keep asking me a lot of the same questions at first, which is the same question I would ask someone in my position, which is sort of what's the mood around Knoxville right now? What's the mood around that program? What's the mood around town? And I tell people all the time that it's like it feels like disbelief that is turning into belief, but it's still kind of disbelief. Like nobody 
expected this program to be right here, right now. You've heard Danico Slaughter say that. You've heard Omari Thomas say that. These guys, to their credit, have been very candid, Ryan, when they've been asked, so what did you expect? Uh, Did you expect to be here at this time? And they're like, no, no, we didn't. Like, this is what you want, but nobody expected this. Yeah, and I think that's, yeah, they're being honest. And uh, and at the same time, I love that they're being that that willing to share their honesty because sometimes coaches can be so uptight in these situations, not wanting to say anything that, you know, shows insecurity or that gives bullets, bulletin board material. And they're still cautious of that, obviously. They're not saying anything disrespectful about Georgia this week. But uh, I, I love the way that Tennessee's coaches and players have approached this week. And Josh Heupel has been, strangely as loose as we've yes, ever seen him. This yes, week. he has. It's been amazing. I don't know if it's a, a, a maybe a concerted effort on his part to, to show that image for his team so that they feel loose. And if so, that might be a great move, you know, whatever, whatever the case is though, he, he seems more comfortable in his own skin uh, in, in dealing with the media this week than we've ever seen him. Uh, and sometimes that just comes with time too. You know, he's, he's still, relatively early in his head coaching career we forget sometimes this is is his fifth year he's an experienced head coach now but that's that's you know you're still developing as a head coach you're always developing you know people would 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 like to say in most cases but especially in your first five years so maybe it's just something that's come with time and being in this job for almost two years but maybe it's just sheer confidence in his team and if you're reading tea leaves as a fan out there trying to trying to figure out you know how should i feel about tennessee's chances I think it's at least worth noting that Tennessee has been very loose this week from our dealings with them. You know, we're not seeing them on the practice field, but all the vibes we've gotten is that this is a team feeling feeling pretty confident, secure in where it is, and, and confident that it can go and, and, and fight toe-to-toe with anybody in the country. And I think that Alabama game, if, if they didn't have any – if they had uh, any doubts about that before, I think that Alabama game clearly got rid of any doubts they, they might have had. So no reason for them to think they can't compete with Georgia, but – this team truly believes it, I think, based on what we've seen so far. Yeah, and, and even on thir- even Thursday morning, you know, this morning's press conference, which Heupel, traditionally, he comes in and, and he's sort of a creature of habit. Every Monday, he's very, very pleasant, um, but does his best to not say anything interesting. He's very pleasant. He's in a good mood. But then when you start talking to him and, and he knows the recorder's running, he, he doesn't say anything that he thinks might be interesting. Then uh, Wednesday in the teleconference, he's fine. Thursday, he always walks in much more businesslike, right? Doesn't do an opening statement. He, he's always kind of just, you know, I don't want to say stern because he's not that, but he's just sort of businesslike and very matter-of-fact and very kind of getting himself geared back toward game mode. Even this morning, he walked in much more pleasant than he normally does for those Thursday press conferences. And some of his answers were, again, he never says anything that tremendous on the record. It's just not who he is. But but he very intentionally, uh, or unintentionally, I don't know, he, he just had a very, very calm, easygoing demeanor about him, made a couple of jokes. Uh, he cracked on Mike Griffith. He used to cover Tennessee. Now he covers Georgia for wearing red into the press conference, uh, which I thought was really, really funny. Uh, he, he, and for people, th- this whole hashtag Vols by Fitty crowd, they probably will watch that press conference and be like, man, this dude is just feeling good right now. He, he was obviously feeling himself on Vol calls on Wednesday night because he had a couple of answers yep. that are just normally he's joking about, like how Danico Slaughter likes to play all five positions in the secondary, so maybe he'll play him on offense too because they feel like they're not using him enough. Just stuff that he doesn't normally say. Um, it just kind of if you you'd have to kind of hear the guy talk every day to understand exactly what I'm saying, but he is very very loose this week. Yeah, it's it's subtle if you're just reading the quotes, but yeah, if you see the body language and the way he's talking, 
and, and hearing it on vol calls, there's clearly a difference uh, from from other weeks. So yeah, I, I wonder about that. It, it, and maybe it's just the feeling that you know he, he tells his players to enjoy it and to and to appreciate the the fact that they put themselves in position to play a game with of this magnitude. Maybe it's him doing his best to just enjoy the moment. You know, who knows? But either way, he's sort of practicing what he preaches. I think to his players with how he's handling himself, and I think we've seen his players um, just sort of embrace the moment so far. And we'll see how they respond Saturday when they're when they're there. Because I would imagine, much like the Alabama game felt, it's going to feel like a championship game from the the minute warmups begin. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see how they, they respond then. But so far, they have definitely acted like a team, and Josh Heupel has acted like a coach who's very, very comfortable with where they are and, and feels like they're uh, in, in, in position to compete with anybody they play. And that includes this week. And some of it might also be a feeling that they're kind of playing with house money. Yes, I mean, Georgia's yes, still, yes. you touch, you touch on it. Georgia's the favorite. Tennessee loses this game. People are, I mean, it obviously might depend on how it happens, but no one's going to say, Oh, Josh Heupel's terrible. This program's not, you know, as, as good as we thought or anything like that. It, it's, they lost on the road to the defending national champion is what they're going to say. Georgia's the team with all the pressure in the world this week, especially now that they're number three in the playoff rankings. They have to win this game to to put themselves in a pretty good position to make the college football playoff. If they lose this game, you wonder if there's still a path for them. They're going to need a lot of help to get to the college football playoff. So they need this game more than Tennessee. Tennessee was not supposed to be 8-0 right now. They're not supposed to be number one in the college football playoff. They, they've accomplished a lot just by getting to this point. So they're in a lot of ways – even though it's a game Tennessee really needs and wants to win, they are kind of playing with house money the way I see it. Yeah, and, and, and these kinds of things are always tough to say because when you look at percentages and things like that, that doesn't mean that the committee's all, always going to vote that way. Uh, so it's it's a bit more of a fluid number in that way or, or a bit more kind of take it for what it is, grain of salt type of stuff. But I, I, I saw that that ESPN kind of the, the their, their stat crunchers and, and looking at everything, and I, I don't know their formula. I don't. That's their – um, trade secret, just like we've got ours with the 24-7 composite, 24-7 sports composite that we're not going to tell anybody because that's ours. That's our secret sauce. Um, but their secret sauce came out with a number that said if Georgia loses this game, it's got like a 35 or 40% chance of being in the college football playoff. If Tennessee loses this game, it still has a 55% chance of being in the college football playoff. That That's the level of difference. That's the level of how much more pressure is on Georgia than is on Tennessee in this game? Which again, when you see this, this, the, you know, the, this schedule come out, and you see what's going to be like, even before we knew how how good Tennessee was going to be, you knew this was going to be a game where the home team Georgia was going to have more pressure on them. But now it's not even close because Tennessee. I don't know if it's house money that you're playing with, but it's something similar to it. And, and what's yeah, interesting I, to me, Ryan, is that. Here's what's interesting to me, though, really interesting to me, is that I, I, the BetMGM put out the on socials yesterday that 90 to 94 percent of the bets have been flooding in for Tennessee with the points. And despite 90 to 94 percent of the money coming in on Tennessee, the line has moved 0.5 points. That is all that line has moved, which to me is a crystal clear indication that either Vegas itself or the Sharps or both are convinced that they are going to make everybody else take a bath on this one. They have not, they have not flinched. 
Maybe. I, I was talking with someone about that earlier. I think one possibility is if they, if, and that's one sports, but we don't know for sure what the, I, I haven't seen the industry wide numbers, but that was, that was MGM tweeting those numbers. I would imagine the rest of the market probably reflects something similar to that, at least. Um, at least on MGM, those bets were coming in quite uh, significantly in Tennessee's favor. One possibility to, that you have to consider is if the line moved very much, say, say the line dropped to five and a half, then you run the risk of people going heavy on Georgia. And then there's a gap there where if Georgia wins by six or seven, you lose all of those bets where the, the people who took Tennessee at minus eight and a half and minus eight win by covering, but the people who took Georgia at five and a half or six also win. So you have to watch that as a sports book, I would imagine, because you don't want all of your bets to lose. You at least want to give yourself the chance to make a lot of money. And so you have to worry about giving yourself a big gap there where you can kind of fall in the middle and, and neither side is good for you. That's, that's at least something I would imagine they're considering. Yeah, and then even with the news of, of Nolan Smith, you know that, that came out officially that he's out for uh, the rest of the season, which is a tough blow for, for Georgia, certainly, and something we need to talk about. But you know that I have a feeling that Vegas knew about that long before we did. That just seems like the kind of thing that you know Vegas has ways, and and Vegas usually knows, and and so that's probably not a surprise to them either. So I, I think you know if they had thought one it was such a huge deal, and two they knew for sure it was happening, that would have adjusted the line a little bit because that guy is a very very dangerous defensive player, and and so. That, to me, also means I bet they probably knew that beforehand. But regardless, just his loss for Georgia is a big one, not for now, but not just for now, but beyond, but definitely for this game. Yeah, definitely. And, and this for this season, yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a big, big loss because he, he's one of the real difference makers for Georgia. And they, they've got a lot of talent on that roster. Make no mistake, they're, they're not going to just – replace him with somebody who's a significant drop-off. I mean, you've got Robert Beal, who's, who's a, an experienced veteran who, who definitely is capable of making plays, and some other guys who are going to chip in there. So it's not like they have a shortage of capable options. They're, they're going to be able to sub in some guys and, and, and still rotate some pretty good players uh, who maybe haven't done it at the same level or haven't played as many snaps in their career but, but are still capable of, of disrupting things for Tennessee. So I think Josh Heupel had the right approach when he was asked about that Thursday uh, during his his final press conference of the week, and said, "Hey, you know, Georgia still got guys. We're, 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 that's not going to change much for them, and it's not going to change much for us. That's the way you have to approach it because Georgia's still going to have some dudes in that spot uh, that that can wreck people if they don't come to play. So uh, that that's that's a loss for them, though, because he is such a proven difference maker and, and an early first round draft pick, most likely, even with this injury. I, I would say um, just just unfortunate for Georgia because you know that that is a team that." You know, needs all the difference makers it can get uh, when, when you're talking about you know trying to win a championship, which they clearly have that goal. When you've got to go toe to toe with the Hendon Hookers and the Bryce Youngs of the world, you need those types of guys on the other side to to give yourself the best chance. And they they certainly will miss Nolan Smith um, this week. And and yeah, that's that that kind of goes to my you know there there are a lot of important matchups in this game, but the the one I keep coming back to is Tennessee's offensive line and maybe its running game as much as anything but also in pass protection. Um, but that offensive line against Georgia's defensive front or front seven, um, that, that's just such an important matchup in this game, I think. So, so the loss of Nolan Smith is significant. But I think Tennessee's got to run the ball pretty well in this game. You know, they, That's been the key to this offense all along, as a lot of people have covered. 
and, and the pit game is the one game really this year where they didn't run it that well. Still found a way to win that game, but hard for me to imagine Tennessee going on the road and beating a team as good as Georgia if they don't have some level of success running the ball, even if it's just Hendon Hooker kind of producing the running game himself. So to me, that's a key matchup and at least at least uh, you know, you know a, a loss worth noting for Georgia in the front seven there without Nolan Smith. Yeah, because if you have to flood the box, relatively speaking, it's not really flooding the box because Tennessee, you know, normally is pretty spread out. So, so either way, you're spread out. But in terms of still, if you want to outnumber Tennessee in the box, you are putting yourself at a significant disadvantage on the back end because at least one of those receivers is usually going to be able to run right by whoever's guarding them. So you you really really have to be able to have even numbers in the box and still stop Tennessee from running the ball. If you can't do that, it's really, really hard to to stop this offense because I, I've said it all week. I've said it on different shows. I've written it on our board several times. I think there are three ways to beat this Tennessee football team, and these are the only three ways that I can think of. And you have to do – if you can do one of these three things, you can beat Tennessee. But if you can't do any of them, you're not going to win. You have to either one – completely obliterate them at the line of scrimmage. You have to beat them significantly up front both sides. Uh, number two is uh, if, if you can't do that, you got to hope Hendon Hooker has a bad day because everybody's human. Everybody goes out there and has a bad day now and then, so you have to hope Hendon Hooker has a bad day. And number three, if you can't do either one of those two things, you got to score 50 points. So you have to beat them up front or hope Hendon Hooker has a bad day or score 50 points. And if you don't do either of those three things, Ryan, I don't think you're going to beat Tennessee no matter who you are, no matter what field you're playing on. Yeah, and that's... And now, that's now, Georgia can all, do that. Now, Georgia can do that, but that's what yeah. you got to do. Right, absolutely. And that, that's what I was going to say. That's why... That's what's so uh, dangerous about a team like Georgia that was so dangerous about Alabama, obviously. That's what makes these teams such challenges is that they could beat you any one of those three ways, and they're more than capable of doing that. Georgia's offense doesn't show you that side but if they get into a shootout i i think they're at least capable of hanging around you know i don't think it's their comfort zone to go score 50 but on the right day they could probably do that you know especially if tennessee's secondary reverts to what we saw before last week you know that's that's one of the things i don't really know what to do with what happened last week going into this week you know is what we saw from tennessee's secondary with two corners who we really hadn't seen play uh, in a significant role all season is what we saw from those guys a going to stick are we going to see them in the starting lineup again b if they're healthier are they going to throw some guys back in there that we didn't even see play last week and and if they are going to stick with the same guys do we see a repeat of that or was that just a one game fluke or a good matchup or whatever i don't know what to make of that but if the secondary is what what we've seen most of the season georgia's capable of keeping up in a shootout because tennessee's secondary is very vulnerable and stetson bennett is a is still a largely underrated quarterback i think in a lot of ways so and they can obviously run the ball well and, yeah, they're capable of beating at the line of scrimmage uh, like any of those uh, top teams in the country are. Uh, we know Georgia's recruited uh, unlike really anybody else uh, in college football the past four or five years. I'm not sure. Uh, there they're may be toe-to-toe with Alabama uh, in terms of talent, just the, the sheer volume of five stars they've gotten over the past few years. So they're loaded at the line of scrimmage, and they can beat you that way too. So that, that's the dangerous thing about Georgia is they can beat you in really any of those ways. But definitely, the shootout would be their least comfortable way of beating you. It's it's hard to it's hard to say that Kirby Smart wants to go out there and, and to win a fifty-two to forty-five kind of game. So obviously, 
they're, they're capable of doing that, but that's not the most likely outcome, I would say. Yeah, and a lot of people are pointing to that 1-9 and nine record for, for Georgia when an opponent scores 30 points, which is it, it's an interesting number. It's one that gets your attention. But the flip side of that is that whenever Georgia scores 30 points, its record is ridiculously good. So uh, that number, make of it what you will. And the other reason I'm not sure that number matters a lot, just to be completely honest, is because Tennessee plays a football game differently from the way most people play a football game. Tennessee allowing you to score 30 points is not nearly as bad as most teams allowing you to score 30 points because there's there's more possessions in the game. There's more possessions. There's more plays. That's just simple math. So when you're looking at Tennessee defensively, said this a million times, I'm probably preaching to the choir here if, if you're a Tennessee fan listening, but if you're a Georgia fan listening or you're new to this podcast and you haven't heard this before, don't look at traditionally significant defensive numbers when you're looking at Tennessee. Look at the efficiency numbers because that's what matters because there are just more plays in the game, Ryan, and there's more plays means that there's going to be more numbers that you give up. Yeah, no no question. And, and this there there's another side to the 30 point thing too. I I we saw uh the same tweets probably about this, but there was also one earlier this week pointing out that Georgia has a bad record, I believe, under Kirby Smart or, or in, over the past several years when it allows more than thirty points a game. Um, so it's, I mean, yeah, of course you're going to be you're going to have a ridiculous record when you score thirty plus points or whatever. But when, if this game gets into a shootout and Tennessee scores a lot, that historically wouldn't bode well for Georgia either. There's not many shootouts they've had to win in recent years because that's just not their type of game that they usually have to play with the, the defenses they've had. So um, I, I I do think that's you know, there are going to be some points scored in this game. I feel pretty confident that it's going to take 30-plus points no matter what to win this game. I don't think that's going out on a limb at all. But this, whether this game ends up in the 30s or whether this ends up in the 40s pushing 50 the way the Alabama game did, I, I think that's that's an interesting subplot to this game. Does Georgia sort of win the battle of, of tempos here, or does Tennessee turn this into the kind of game it wants it to be? No way you're going to keep Tennessee down for four quarters and just keep them from scoring. You know, even last year they got 17 on a historically good Georgia defense. So they're going to get their points and they're better this year, obviously. But, you know, does it turn into a track meet or just a mid level game by Tennessee standards where Georgia is going to be much more comfortable and have a much better chance of winning if it's, say, 38 31 or something like that? I think that's in some ways maybe the key to this game because that's going to tell you whether Georgia had any success slowing down Tennessee or whether this was just trading scores the whole game. Yeah, and, and if you're a Tennessee fan looking for, for reasons to feel optimistic about this, uh, I, I think that I've got something here in the second segment that will help you in that endeavor. I don't want you to get the cart in front of the horse, but, but I think if you are a Tennessee fan and you are looking for, for more reasons to feel optimistic about this game, if you're the kind of person who wants to do that, I'm going to have something here in the second segment that's going to that's going to probably give you reason to do that. So let's go away for just a second. Let's pay some bills, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, et cetera, and then we'll be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ryan Callahan coming to you from his home daycare center there across the tracks on the other side of town. Coming to you on a on a beautiful uh, chamber of commerce, you could say. Uh, Sunsplash Thursday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. Talking Tennessee, Georgia, the game of the century of the week. Lots and lots to discuss about this game. Uh, we got about another 20 minutes or so to do that, so we will do that. Before we do that, though, just a quick uh, request from our end. If you don't, uh, if you if you don't mind. There's something you could do that would help us out quite a bit. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, go in there and subscribe to this podcast and rate and review this podcast, that would help us tremendously. If you're just listening on the website there on GoVols247.com, that's fine. We love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go in there, uh, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world, you can cast a fine pod. You can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very, very few complaints from our end. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people you see it at, at church. Tell people that you see walking the dog. Tell people you see at the golf course. Tell people you see walking around town. Tell people you see at a red light. Roll down the window and be like, hey, man, I see you're wearing orange. Is that Tennessee orange? By the way, I like the Vols. You like the Vols. Why don't you listen to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast? And who knows? That could be your new best friend. That could be your new life partner. That could be the person who changes your life. That person could own a company and offer you a job, and you could become a millionaire. There are so many possibilities here, and I think you got to think about that. So you're not being unselfish. You're really being selfish. We're asking you to go be selfish when you think of it that way. So if you're already doing all those things, thank you. We love you. If not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ryan, I saw something really, really interesting on uh, on ESPN.com that came out uh, this morning, and I, I don't want to give away the entire article because it's it's written by uh, uh, Pete Pete Thamel, who who is obviously a very, very, very um, beloved person by the Tennessee athletics community, by Tennessee athletics fans. They just they love they love love Pete, and I've never told him this, I think, but uh, Pete almost went to the of Tennessee uh it d- does not actually hate Tennessee but but regardless uh he's a guy who writes some stuff sometimes that, that people don't love uh but he wrote something on Thursday that I think a lot of people would like if if they were subscribers to ESPN because he wrote uh that he interviewed 15 people who were either head coaches assistants NFL scouts or staffers about Tennessee Georgia and Alabama as a way to kind of break down what what things are going to happen in the SEC race 
And he said not all, but a majority of the 15 people he spoke with actually thought Tennessee would win this game, which to me, I went, whoa. Because these are people in the sport he's talking to. These are people in the SEC, people in the NFL. They're, they're not people who are like all-seeing, Illuminati. They know everything, but, but they control everything. But, but like they are, they are people who would know things more than you or I or most people would know things. And one of them, I'll offer just one quote, and this is the only one I'll give from it. I'll talk about the article, but I don't want to give away all their, their premium content. But, but one, one coach or person said, one coach said to Pete Thamel, he said, quote, I won't be surprised if Tennessee scores 50. Georgia's front is average. Their back end is below average. They really miss William Poole. I don't think their corners are special. Uh, the Ringo kid, he doesn't run nearly as well as you'd expect, and the others are just okay. Tennessee's going to run right by those corners, which to me, I went, whoa, because I don't know that I agree with that, but just hearing someone in the game who's knowledgeable, who said that, that got my attention in a hurry. Yeah, and The Athletic had a had a somewhat similar story, uh, I believe written by David Oven earlier this week, where he uh, he talked with some, some coaches uh, anonymously, some who played Georgia already, uh, I believe some who played Tennessee as well. And then maybe some others who just hadn't played either, but were familiar with with both teams. And you heard some similar feedback in that story about Georgia's secondary, which surprised me. I mean, Ringo has a has a good reputation as a cornerback. Um, I, I certainly, you know, I, I say this all the time. Nobody watches less college football than college football beat writers. So I've gotten to watch Georgia very little this year and, and just watch them closely. Uh, enough to to know how well those guys are playing individually, but my perception of them is that Ringo's a very good player, and I know Georgia's recruited well at, at the cornerback position, so I know they have some talented guys back there. Um, but maybe they're not ready in some cases. You know, I, I don't know, but I, it's interesting that there have been multiple comments about the Georgia secondary indicating that's a beatable secondary, and that I think there's something to that on the defensive front as well. Georgia's pressure rate is not as good as you would expect, even for a team that had Nolan Smith before. So without Nolan Smith, you would think that pressure rate drops maybe even a little bit more. Um, but they're not getting uh, getting pressure on the quarterback a high enough percentage of the time compared to what we've seen from them a lot in the past. So that, that's that's really interesting. I, I mean, there there have been a lot of people that think Tennessee wins this game, and, and I, I would not disagree with that at this point. I, I'm still torn on what I'm going to do with my pick on – uh, on GoVols 24-7, I guess tune in Friday to see what we all pick. But I, I kind of went into the week thinking, I'm not sure Georgia can win if, if Tennessee plays this type of game that it wants to play. I thought Alabama was the one team they were going to face this year that really could have beaten Tennessee playing that type of game, and they really probably should have won that game in a lot of ways uh, if, they, if they handled that last drive well. So Alabama, to me, is a scarier matchup for Tennessee in a lot of ways than Georgia is because I think, I think if Tennessee plays the type of game it wants to win – I just don't know that Georgia's going to match and score for school score. Yeah, I, I think on the flip side of what I just said, uh, and, and I talked to someone down uh, in Tuscaloosa this week who, and, and I don't think this is a sour grapes type of person, if I'm being honest with you, just someone who I wanted to kind of say, listen, you know, obviously uh, you, you, you've seen Georgia uh, a lot in the past couple of years. You've seen Tennessee already this year. Kind of what, what do you think 
about sort of this matchup. And he said it really wouldn't surprise him either way. But the reason he was leaning toward Georgia, aside from the game being in Athens, was that Georgia and Alabama have very kind of similar defensive systems. They're not the same, but obviously they're from the same tree. They're very simple. Uh, I mean, I mean, they're 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 very com- they're not simple. They're complex defenses, but they're very similar to each other. Is what I'm trying to say. And Tennessee already saw, or Georgia already saw Tennessee play Alabama, and Georgia saw a lot of the mistakes that Alabama made in that game, and that might give Georgia an advantage for things that they know that they probably you know, don't need to do because Alabama clearly tried to sit back a little bit, make hooker, make decisions, didn't get after him a ton. Uh, and, and that obviously did not work. And and so th- this person down there told me he thought Georgia would kind of go balls to the wall a little bit more, get after hooker and see if they could affect the game more that way, because they, with the tempo offense, you just can't let it get started because if they can sit there and roll off three, four, you know, four, five, six yards on a first down play, if they can get going, they can really get you behind the the the, the mark, and they can really kind of start hammering you and keep you on your toes. Whereas if you can stuff those first down runs and those first down passes, get get them behind the chains. If you prevent that thing from getting started, it's like a sprinter. If you if you kind of if they get a bad start, they're not going to be able to run right by you. But if if they get started, then they're they're going to give you problems. And this person down there told me he just thought. Georgia would sort of learn from some of the mistakes that they made down in Tuscaloosa uh, that, that Alabama did against Tennessee and Knoxville, and that that will make a difference in this game. I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, and that's I, I did think Georgia would benefit. And by the way, this hasn't been talked about a lot lately. I meant to make this point earlier, but before I forget, thank you, SEC, for moving this game back on the schedule. Yes. Uh, I mean, how much worse would this season have been? And who knows how it would have turned out for Tennessee. I mean, I think part of why this season has turned out the way it has is they've had nice breaks in their schedule that have kind of allowed them to catch their breath after each of these monumental games, Florida, even LSU to a degree, Alabama, you know, they, they've had buildups and, and, and time to recover a little bit. And, and now having a meaningful SEC East showdown in November for, for the division title, essentially, this is awesome. So thank you for fixing that front loaded Tennessee schedule they had for years and not making it so um, just awful in September and October to where we can actually have some late drama like this. But um, yeah, I think Alabama did Georgia a favor for sure by showing them, if nothing else, what not to do against Tennessee. So I, I, now it's not a perfect comparison because I think part of the reason Alabama was maybe so stubborn with what it wanted to do against Tennessee was because they felt they had guys who could pressure the quarterback with a four-man rush. They had Will Anderson. They had Dallas Turner. They felt like they could eventually get to the quarterback with those guys. They didn't, yeah, they, line. they didn't expect Darnell Wright to, to get the better of Will Anderson. Yeah, and they didn't expect you know Jeremiah Crawford and Gerald Mincy to play extremely well and, and handle those guys well either. So um, for for Tennessee's offensive line, that's that's going to be the challenge again. Um, but Georgia doesn't have quite the edge rushing talent, especially without Nolan Smith, that Alabama does. And so I think Georgia might have to dial up some pressure a little bit more because that's something we didn't see Alabama do. So now Georgia's in a good position; they can they can just try some things because this Tennessee's the type of team. You just need to throw them off their game a little bit. You just need to stop them a few times, cause a turnover or two. You got to just disrupt them as much as you can. So I think they're in a good position to experiment if they have to. But you know, I'm sure they have some better ideas of how to slow down Tennessee, especially after watching even Kentucky last week. I thought Kentucky at least had a good game plan, even though it wasn't able to execute it. They were giving Tennessee some looks that caused them to go to the short passing game early in that game. They were they were being a little more patient. 
not taking as many shots down the field aside from the early touchdown to, to Jalen Hyatt. And Kentucky stayed within reach for a little while. And then Tennessee kind of blew the game open late in the half uh, with some different plays, including the big turnover in the red zone. But they, they Kentucky at least had the idea that you got to just keep Tennessee in front of them. And they, and they put a lot of guys back and, and made, the, made the short passing game look like the better option for Tennessee. That's the thing about Tennessee's system. They'll take what's given. So if you give them a look that makes them think quick pass or screen is the better option, they'll go that way. They're not just looking to go deep every time. So I, I think you'll see some of those looks from Georgia. I think they'll want them to play the short passing game, take their chances with that. But I also think you've got to bring some pressure. I think you've got to at least try to make Hendon Hooker uncomfortable, even though one of this team's greatest strengths is that Hendon Hooker is so poised and so comfortable in the pocket and nothing that we've seen so far this year really has flustered him at any point. Yeah, and, and and they've been very happy to be patient when they need to. They've been happy to take the five or six yards per carry when you give it to them. So if you're going to back off a little bit, if you're going to make them sort of be patient and, and think, okay, well, they're used to making so many big plays, maybe they're going to force the issue here. Maybe they're going to force force it when it's not there. They didn't do that against Kentucky. They stayed patient, and they kind of kept doing what they're doing, and they kept putting points on the board, and – I uh, you know I I just think the the one thing for me that was my counter to that person I was talking to down there was, was that I I think what Tennessee does offensively they have a lot of answers for what you want to do like they they just know they they've been prepared for okay if you see this look you're doing this if you see that look you're doing that and it becomes kind of burned into their brains that they have to do that and and I think that when you look at you know, you have to sort of mix it up a little bit, but to a certain extent, you also just have to say, screw it and do what you do best. Because if if you do what you do best, a lot of times that's going to give you the best chance to win. So I think whatever Georgia, there's two options. Georgia can either just bring a lot of pressure or Georgia can default to just doing whatever it feels like it can do best. Because it, you'd rather do, you know, 10 things at 100 miles an hour than 100 things at 10 miles an hour. Bama kind of kept trying to make tweaks and changes and, and sub packages and and wanted to make some adjustments, and it couldn't do it, and it just didn't work. And I think Georgia might keep things simpler because I think I think Georgia's defense is just a simpler version of Alabama's, but I think those guys play pretty cohesively because of it. Yeah, and and that's an interesting storyline too, is that Georgia, from from reading some of the comments in that story on The Athletic, it's not, you know, there have been some subtle enough differences this year with a new defensive coordinator, Glenn Schumann, uh, having taken over for Dan Lanning. Uh, that Georgia is, you know, there are obviously just some differences in personalities or preferences or maybe with this team with what they lost from last year, things they feel like they're having to do. And one of those things it sounds like is you're maybe getting fewer exotic looks, that it's a, it's a simpler, more straightforward approach. This week that'll be tested. You know, do they, do they still take that type of approach or do they feel like they have to throw the kitchen sink at Hendon Hooker to just get him guessing a little bit more? I, I don't know. I can't say that I can – really say there's a, a better approach with him because we just haven't seen enough teams cause problems for Tennessee. The, the one constant, you know, this week, uh, this season, the, the, the one game we can point to that was kind of ugly for Tennessee offensively was the pit game. And that was just a team with a good front seven, as we said, going into that game that could cause some problems. They slowed down Tennessee's running game. I think that's where it starts. I think Georgia's got to stop Tennessee's running game. Uh, they, they've got to hold them uh, in check as much as possible because when Tennessee you know, it's not that Jabari Small and Jalen Wright are Tennessee's best players. I wouldn't say they are, although Jalen Wright's playing better lately. Um, but they, when they're just getting six, seven yards of play running the ball like that, 
that that's it's hard to slow them down because that's when they get the tempo going and that's when they get to do what they want to do offensively uh kind of building off of those run plays when they're when they're more one-dimensional much easier to defend and at least have a have a chance to bring some pressure or do something that makes Hendon Hooker a little more uncomfortable. So um, I, I think that's the key to this. Georgia's got to slow down Tennessee's run game. Their run game has been pretty good lately because that offensive line is playing well. So I think it starts there. Georgia's got some big guys up front. They maybe don't have the elite pass rushers that Alabama does, especially without Nolan Smith. So can they stop the run and, and make – Make Hendon Hooker be the guy who has to single-handedly kind of do the heavy lifting in this game. Yeah, and I, I, for the record, that that coach, whoever he is, uh, said that he wouldn't be surprised if if Tennessee scores fifty in Athens. I would be a little surprised uh, because I don't think in the past like twenty or twenty-five years Georgia has allowed fifty points in a game, and, and I also don't certainly don't think at any point in Kirby Smart's tenure there have they ever given up fifty in a game. Now this offense is pretty dang good and it has a chance to score 50 against anybody so i don't know if i would say i wouldn't be shocked if they did that but i i'd I'd be a little bit surprised probably i I don't i don't know that that i expect them to go down there and score 50 but i do expect them to go down there and make plays and i do expect this to be an exciting football game that as long as tennessee doesn't turn the football over i think this is going to be a really fun game yeah and i'm not predicting 50 points for for either team i i feel pretty confident saying that but I do think I do think it, it becomes a pretty high scoring game and I, I I would lean toward Tennessee getting at least to 30 plus and making this somewhat of a shootout so if Georgia's going to win I, I think it's one of those days where Stetson Bennett's going to have to have a big day you know t- the the I just keep coming back to the running games you know I think it's so important for Tennessee to make Georgia one-dimensional I think it's so important for Georgia to make Tennessee one-dimensional to me the, the, the team that runs the ball more effectively has a big leg up in this game because that's obviously what Georgia wants to do. It's what they've always kind of wanted to do offensively under under Kirby Smart and, and really previous coaching staffs. But for, for Tennessee, it's obviously kind of the bread and butter that, that people don't always talk about about their offense. So to me, that's that I feel like is the key to the game. But it's one of those games where Stetson Bennett's going to have to have to maybe go win this one for Georgia if the run game doesn't doesn't go out there and pile up 200 plus yards, which we haven't seen against Tennessee this year. They've been a really good run defense. Georgia's got to keep it that uh, or, or got to change that to where uh, they, they can run the ball the way they want to or Stetson Bennett's got to go off uh, because I think Georgia's going to have to score some points to win this game. They're capable of doing that. Tennessee secondary is capable of being beaten, but I think it takes probably 35 or 38 for Georgia to win this game. Yeah, and I'll correct myself before we step out of here uh, just to make sure my math was right and it was wrong. Tennessee, when it scored 50 against Georgia, that was in 2006, which obviously is within 20 years. Um, yes, I but, remember. But, but regardless, it's been a, a while since someone's done that to Georgia. So regardless – well, I, Go ahead, Ron. And I was going to say uh, t- Tennessee made some history against Alabama. Wasn't that the first time since like 1907 Alabama had given up 50 points or something like that? There was some ridiculous stat related to that. Yeah, so, it was the most um, points Tennessee – it was the most points Bama had given up since uh, a, a 1907 game against Sewanee. Yeah, so so if, if there's an offense capable of making history against a team as talented as Georgia, it's it's probably this Tennessee team. I mean, I, I resisted the comparisons at first, but there's – it's hard to deny the numbers when you put them side by side with that 2019 LSU team. There, there are definitely some statistical similarities, even though that LSU team's talent was clearly, yeah, uh, that, I think, the, just on a crazy level. Yeah, that LSU team had a quarterback who uh, it, it was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL now, and it had probably 
two wide receivers who are two of the top five receivers in the NFL right now who are all yep. on that same team. So I don't know if they were if they're that, but hey, uh, we could look in a few years and look at uh, Hyatt and Tillman and McCoy and see what they're doing at the next level. And hey, maybe maybe these Tennessee receivers will end up being something like that. We shall see. Well, Worth noting too, Rusty Manziel. I was checking out Dogs twenty four seven, and that's that's the great thing about being a twenty four seven sports subscriber during weeks like this. You get to check out what the opposing boards are saying and their moderators, uh, their writers, and and, and Rusty Manziel, uh, who does a great job over there, was saying, you know, hey, Cedric Tillman. I forget if he's had potential, but it, essentially throughout that, Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt both might be first round picks, and that tells you. Uh, that's that's what he's hearing on that end about how Georgia views them. So oh, I, maybe I, I, they end I've up always being, said Tillman's a first round pick. I think Tillman looks exactly like a first round pick receiver to me. He looks like a guy who you would take in the first round as a receiver. Yeah, and we'll see if it plays out that way. But I, I think that I mean Tennessee does. We got to start looking at this as a Tennessee team that's maybe got more talent on offense than we thought it did going into the season. But even th- at that, that LSU team was clearly another level. But the numbers when you put them side by side. Even with the defenses, very similar uh, through eight games so far this season. Hey, go in this weekend, and then we'll talk about it seriously. That's right. So yeah. we shall see. We'll have at least one more podcast uh, before the game. Certainly, we'll we'll have one uh, our pregame one late Friday night, uh, early Saturday morning, and then we'll be back Saturday after the game. Obviously, so uh, Ryan, man, thanks for your time. I know we're all super busy this week, so thanks for carving out some time, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely, looking forward to the game, everybody. Enjoy it, and uh, hey, just enjoy the moment. It's been a long time, right, Tennessee fans? Enjoy this one uh, for for what it is, and win or lose, the season's not over. That is very true. Thanks, man. See you. Thanks, Wes. There's that button, and now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols Twenty Four Seven Podcast, guys. Thank you, thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, Twenty Four Seven. On Twitter, Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there, or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day. Tons of stuff on there. All good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water right from the tap, go directly to GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least. So you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. And that's after a free trial. And that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it, get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows, 
You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other. Please, there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you. Where's Wes at? I, he already put my comments out there, so <laughs> he, he had direct quotes. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.